Green Teacher's main office is located on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabek, Huron-Wendat, Haudenosaunee, and Mississauga peoples. This territory is covered by the Williams Treaty. So Farm to School gets kids really excited about the food. They might have even provided some of the food that gets served in the lunch line. So I think about how educators are working on culturally sustaining, culturally revitalizing pedagogy, and it's so tangible within the food system. Focus on values is really important too when we think about the supply chain. Like where is the food for school meals coming from? Testing, testing. Hey, I'm Ian. And I'm Sophia. And welcome to Talking with Green Teachers. This is the Environmental Education Podcast, where we discuss recent developments, big ideas, and creative approaches to teaching green. In this episode... There's some great ideas that we would connect around cycles and systems and understanding place and then having conversations about the values that really drive this work. But if you were to look at a school menu from one place to another, it really should be different. And I would also argue that the curriculum, though it's tied many of the same academic standards, is really rich in the textures of that place that what you are doing is Party time! The theme is local food, and the attendee list is long. From schools, teachers, students, administrators, and cafeteria workers. From the community, farmers, business owners, food handlers, and retail workers. Hosting a party is a great way to educate about farm to school, a concept that is front and center in Shelburne Farms operations. Jennifer Cirillo is the Director of Professional Learning at Shelburne, and Betsy Rosenbluth is Project Director of Vermont Feed. They joined Ian to discuss the what and why of Farm to School, ways to make the global food system more equitable, and how to overcome common barriers. So let's begin with an overview of what the concept of Farm to School is. We'll start with Betsy. Well, I would just, in the simplest way, talk about Farm to School as supporting youth and connecting the dots of where their food comes from and how their food impacts their bodies, the environment, and their communities. But it's really much more involved than that. So it's providing nourishing food and enough food to students, to children and youth, helping support them to understand the lifelong skills, how to grow it and cook it savor it, and how food connects to so, so many issues, whether it's water or soil or poverty, a number of issues. And I think most importantly, what is their place in that system? And Vermont Seed, which is our farm to school partnership between Shelburne Farms and the Northeast Organic Farming Association of Vermont, we describe and our theory of change around connecting three C's. So how do we connect the classroom, the cafeteria, and community to work towards changing the school food system? All right. 
I'll ask this to Jen. Are there any common misconceptions about farm to school that just right off the bat here you'd like to dispel? So I think farm to school, when you hear those words, you imagine fresh local produce coming to a school cafeteria. And I think that can be a misconception that it's that as the center. With Vermont Seed, we think about, as Betsy has talked about, the three C's the classroom, the cafeteria, and the community. So I think that is one of the misconceptions. And I also think a misconception is that it's a layer or an add-on to what already exists in a school. And I would love for folks to think about it as a way to integrate all that's already happening within a school. It ties together wellness and learning and Um, the school nutrition program and the after school program. So it's a way of seeing all the things that a school has to do or an early childhood program rather than it being an extra or an add-on because we know when push comes to shove, an add-on is often the first thing to go. So it's (laughs) really not an add-on, but more a way to see all of the things that happen within the school. Yes, add-on is not a happy word in education circles, I think, to say the least, especially nowadays. (laughs) Yes, yes. Already full curriculum and already full, you know, load that we've put on schools. And so we are really trying to help teams of educators, school nutrition directors, school nurses, administrators really see that farm to school is the thing that ties it all together. It's the garden bed in which all of that good stuff is growing within the school environment. Oh, very nicely put. In terms of how this manifests at Shelburne, Shelburne Farm specifically, describe it for us. So Shelburne Farm's mission is to educate for a sustainable future. And we really see farm to school under that umbrella of educating for sustainability. Food systems are such a great way to understand the complexity of sustainability. We can engage with our environment. We can engage around issues of social justice and equity, and we can engage in a viable, local, vibrant economy. And so food systems are this natural way for us to really dive into sustainability with a really practical, something we do day in and day out, which is eat. We, you know, eat in school, oftentimes three times a day or in an early childhood setting. So it's happening within the life of Mm -hmm. a young person within school. So we all can relate to food in some way. And so we really see farm to school manifesting across our campus here at Shelburne Farms, but then also in the partnership with local schools and early childhood centers. So it's really everything at Shelburne Farms. It's our professional learning programs. It's our summer camps. It's our school programs. And it's many of the networks that we engage in, whether it's climate change or sustainability or farm-based education. Anything you want to add on top of that, Betsy? Nope. (laughs) Jen's very comprehensive. She covered it well. (laughs) 
Talking with Green Teachers is produced by Green Teacher, a registered charity in Canada that has been enhancing environmental education since 1986. By taking out a subscription, you can join our global network of passionate environmental educators, receive each issue of our quarterly magazine, and gain exclusive access to our vast archive of webinars and magazine back issues. All proceeds go back into the organization to support our vision of helping each successive generation of young learners become more environmentally literate than the last. To learn more, visit greenteacher.com. The menu at this party puts the 100-mile diet to shame. This one is more like the 50-mile diet. In some cases, the 50-foot diet, as many of the herbs were grown right on school property. Well, let's then zoom out a bit and think a bit more broadly of the why, because we always talk about the why in this show. So the why of farm to school and... I think maybe for some people, the value is just implicit, but let's break it down a bit. Let's start with how it impacts classrooms. We have been talking with educators, administrators, and departments or agencies of education about the why of farm to school. And there's some things that really maybe are obvious about we want kids to be well-fed and show up well-fed and nourished to learn. Right. But we also really come to understand all of the other benefits of farm to school and sort of have been added to our why is that we see young people engaged and educators engaged. And that engagement leads to so many other positive benefits, like regular attendance in school, mm. connecting the school to the community and the community back to the school, we hear people talking about people voting in town meetings about passing school budgets because they see the value of farm to school in their community. We see students saying, I can't wait for farm to school or I can't wait to go to school to learn more about different aspects of farm to school. So engagement is really high with learners and with educators because they're seeing their students so excited for the learning and coming to school. I think some of the other whys of farm to school, Betsy will talk more about these, but I feel like in the classroom in particular, the reduced absenteeism, the increased engagement, kids showing up well-fed and nourished, the opportunities to be outside, out of the classroom, connecting to what kids say is real and meaningful and tangible. And with a lot of schools really wanting to increase hands-on learning and some of the skill building, Farm to School provides that. I also think given where we are with covid Still in the U.S., we have so many opportunities with Farm to School to take the learning outside and not just putting kids outside to learn, but the outside is connected to the learning. So it could be school gardens, it could be local farms, it could be greenhouses, it could be exploring soil and climate change or agroforestry. It just makes it very practical for, for schools 
especially given COVID and also our understanding, our deepened understanding of the fragility of the global food system. For sure. And I love how you've expanded just the definition of classroom. It isn't just this four walls manifestation. Moving from one C word to another, from classrooms to communities, which is actually the name of an organization in British Columbia. Betsy, can you speak to the impact on communities? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sure. I mean, I would elaborate on what Jen is saying, just in terms of that tie to communities, community partners, to caregivers and families feeling like they're excited and connected to what their kids are learning about. They're bringing it home. They're talking about it. You know, there are countless stories of parents contacting schools and saying, I absolutely never thought my child never puts anything green in their mouth. But all of a sudden they're asking for kale to make kale chips, things like that. So I think it translates home. I think there are community organizations that are doing that work and connecting that back to the school is an amazing opportunity. And then the part of the community that are local farms, whether they're urban farms or in rural areas, really, again, elevating that connection. So many farmers, you know, they're excited about having a new market for their product, but they're mostly excited about connecting to a school and feeding their community and what that means so that community understands the importance of the farm and what they're doing. There's an economic benefit of, you know, schools. There's 30 million students that participate in National School Lunch. Just in the small state of Vermont, there's over 15 million meals being served. And so being able to provide local product and whatever that might be is really, really important. And I think just, again, understanding where our food comes from, that kind of agricultural literacy, even though you may never work on a farm, understanding the policy as it relates to all of these issues that are tied together is really important. I think it also has a huge impact on the school cafeteria. So certainly providing fresh and nourishing food. And we have something, we describe it as a virtuous cycle, right? So farm to school gets kids really excited about the food. They might've even provided some of the food that gets served in the lunch line and attendance increases. So they're familiar products and they've been doing taste testing. They might've even cooked in the classroom. So they're participating more in school meals, which helps the viability of the school meal program, which provides more money to buy more local products, which again increases participation in this very positive reinforcing cycle that happens. And how does this all tie in with local farms? I mean, we've covered the three main C's that you alluded to earlier. So classrooms, communities, and cafeterias. Local farms certainly overlap with community, but Obviously, this is where the food production is happening. So sort of take us into that aspect of this. Yeah, and it's so important to understand who's in your community. So it's part of that community-based learning. It could be field trips to an orchard or a farm or an urban garden in their neighborhood. There are opportunities for community leaders to be part of the learning experience of the students and in the classroom There is a connection to the local economy to understand how that 
impact happens between a school and in the larger community and what the impact of some of our, you know, for the older students, especially the impact of some of the problems that we're seeing with climate change and things like that, making that connection back to their own backyard, not studying something far away, but really in their own community and the impact they can have and the ability to advocate for what they think is important. If I had to sort of consolidate all of this, it just sounds like this is such a critical exercise in connecting dots that are right before us. I almost envision a salamander under a log. They're right there. They're important, but we don't necessarily see them and we need somebody to lift the log. And I feel like that's a lot of the work that you're doing is lifting the proverbial log and showing this very important salamander that's doing this incredible heavy lifting. Yeah, that's a really nice metaphor. And and that is so true. And, you know, you asked about local farms, you know, increasingly, there's fewer, fewer farms, there's fewer and fewer farmers. And I think reconnecting to that possibility, and reconnecting to a whole range of opportunities in the future for careers or jobs in the food sector. And Trying to make that system work better is really important. It is. Did you know that a subscription to Green Teacher includes access to our massive and fast-growing archive of 500-plus ready-to-use activities, lesson plans, and articles? The recording of each new webinar goes into the archive, too, and there are 120 of those and counting. To save you time, because educators never have enough of it, right? Everything is organized by topic and age group. Learn more by visiting greenteacher.com slash subscribe. We also have special rates available for bulk orders from your school, board, district, faculty of ed, or organization. As always, all proceeds go back into the nonprofit. In accordance with a partnership between local schools and area farmers, much of the produce was either planted or picked by students. The Empire Apples are a particular hit. The Vermont Feed Program is guided by six core beliefs, one of which involves equity and access. So starting with Betsy, let's unpack the equity and access piece. Sure. I mean, I think it's important to understand just our food system is built on injustice. I think sometimes there's a longing for the way things used to be. But from the very beginning in this country, in the United States at least, it started with slavery and free labor. And that injustice has continued all the way till today. The many issues with migrant workers and with the conditions, I think we saw that quite a bit in the last couple of years with the pandemic in particular. And I think also whose voice is being heard in the food system, whose story is being told is really important. And so with Farm to School, there are some of the fundamental problems that we're addressing by trying to make sure that kids have food and have enough food. Breakfast and lunch, sometimes after school snacks are so, so important and really helping families. Again, it's bigger than that. It is thinking about what kind of food is being served. Can we provide more culturally sustaining food in the cafeteria so a student can understand and feel connected to 
their family and their family's traditions and see that food and feel supported in that experience of eating in the cafeteria. I think also, again, by looking at the whole food system and understanding the roles and the pieces of that system, again, they're able to really understand where is that injustice and, you know, what might they do about it. And again, not to stay focused on the last couple of years with COVID, but I think the heroic efforts of school nutrition and the staff to make sure that they were supporting families and kids were being fed so they actually can learn was so important. And we've been working for years to really elevate that job in a school community. So often, you know, you think about school nutrition as separate, it's the lunch ladies over there, it has no part of the educational day. And with Farm to School, we're really elevating and saying, you know, sometimes the cafeteria is the largest classroom. It's so integral and important and such a great opportunity to connect the learning in the classroom by that experience in the cafeteria and what's being offered. I like that image that the cafeteria is the largest classroom. And are there any other classroom-specific connections? Maybe we'll jump to Jen for this. Yeah. So, Ian, the question, you know, that you had asked us about in what ways does our current food system reinforce injustice and inequity? I think you could almost take the word food and change it to political, school, transportation, energy. You could change that word as like, how do these systems reinforce injustice and inequity? And I think in the classroom, there are some really interesting ways that educators and school systems themselves are trying to actually integrate this understanding of an injustice and inequities in the food systems to actually, because maybe because it is so tangible, to actually influence other areas of injustice and inequity. So I think about how educators are working on culturally sustaining, culturally revitalizing pedagogy, and it's so tangible within the food system, right? They can do that in their classrooms through the materials they're bringing in, whose voices are being amplified when we talk about culture in food or what we're sustaining. And I think, as Betsy was saying, the cafeteria then can model that. So really, where we're seeing some of the amazing work happening in schools is is really deeply about connecting those three places, not just on paper, but actually getting people to talk to each other. So the school nutrition staff knows the students and the teachers know those students in a way that we can then actually think about culturally sustaining pedagogy and foods. I think about some of the work in the classrooms. The classrooms are such a great place to be having these debates about inequities and injustice. And then what can we do to transform the system to make it more holistic, to make it more just? And I see places where educators are working on all of the important skills, the reading, the writing, science and math skills, and helping kind of integrate that through the lens of the food system and the local food system, where they're in, they're deeply connecting with students' hearts and their values. And then they're working on those 
skills. And I think about that as sort of the head, heart, and hands. And the hands, not just growing and composting, but hands sort of more in a metaphorical way of being a civic actor, of being a change agent within the system. And some of the most amazing work that I think is happening is with young people who are leading social movements around climate change and food justice. And I'm so inspired by what's coming out of the classroom, not the curriculum, but the young people who are coming out into the world and sharing their wisdom with adults to say, you're not leaving this to us. You have to work to change it. And here are some really great examples of what you could be doing. So lots of inspiration from young people about ways that we can make the food system more just and more equitable and culturally sustaining. So shout out to all the amazing teenagers out there doing this work. And I, there's a great example, I think, of that. Vermont just passed a bill similar to California and Maine that creates universal school meals so that breakfast and lunch is provided to all students um, at no cost. So we, we saw that a little bit the last couple of years, but those waivers that made that possible in schools went away. And so I think heading back into the fall, families will see, again, we're back to a system of stigma. So those students who are eligible for school meals and those students whose families have enough wealth that they don't receive school meals, but they can get in an a la carte line and choose ice cream sandwiches or Doritos or something else. And that stigma is pervasive in the schools. The kids know it. When you have a school with universal meals where every student is served and eating the same thing, you you get rid of the cash registers, you get rid of that differentiation. It's a very different climate in the lunchroom. We've seen a big change. And so I think there's a movement in many states to move towards universal meals that will really support what we've been talking about today. And food, and pardon the pun, and I've actually used this pun on this podcast before, but I mean, food is the low-hanging fruit. <laughs> I'm, oh, it's terrible. It's too many puns. But it is the low-hanging fruit in terms of making something relevant to every single learner's lives. I mean, food is deeply personal for each person. So it almost by its very nature is inclusive because it relates to everybody's life. Everybody can get motivated behind a food related cause. That's right. Yeah. I think food being connected to what we do at least a couple of times a day. And I think we have the opportunity to make it really relevant to young people to their families, to their culture. And that's what I love about what Farm to School is doing. It's not just making sure people have food in their bellies, but it's making sure that it's aligned with, you know, the local agriculture and the culture of that place. And so it's not a one size fits all. And it really does require people, you know, that are the adults in the system and the students to engage in conversations about what is meaningful and relevant to our community. So some of the recipes or some of the curriculum you might see from Maine to Nevada or Washington and Oregon up into Canada or Mexico 
it's going to be different what we're seeing come out of there. There's some great ideas that we would connect around cycles and systems and understanding place and then having conversations about the values that really drive this work. But if you were to look at a school menu from one place to another, it really should be different. And I would also argue that the curriculum, though it's tied many of the same academic standards, is really rich in the textures of that place that what you are doing in Vermont isn't going to be the same in California because our places are so different. So it does take work. I'm not going to say that it isn't hard to do sometimes, but I think the rewards, like we talked about, the benefits of farm to school are really evident when you put that work in. And I think sometimes that the student transformation that happens then lasts. You know, we're seeing in Vermont colleges and the University of Vermont in particular that students who are growing up with farm to school are asking for different kinds of food and are very aware where that food comes from and what's involved in providing that food. And there was a great moment where there were a number of students from a, a Vermont high school who were testifying in the legislature and a legislator turned to one of the students and said, you know, this is great. But really, what difference does this make to you? And the student paused for a minute, you know, unscripted, and just started to talk about, it makes me think twice. It makes me think about what it took to get the food on my plate, and I don't waste it. And then he went on to talk about when his mother was sick, he did the cooking in the house, and he started a small garden in the housing community where he lived. And it's that kind of, I think, individual transformation that when you add up, no matter where you're living, Jen, and, Mm -hmm. you know, across the country, across the world, that's so important that everyone has access to those kinds of skills and that Mm -hmm. ability to create that in the food system for themselves and their families. And that example is just such a ringing endorsement of the work that you're doing. I mean, that's amazing. Thanks, Ian. (laughs) My pleasure. Hi there. You might recognize my voice from such podcasts as the one you're listening to right now. Speaking of podcasts, Green Teacher is involved in another one. It's called Earthy Chats, and you know what? How about I let my co-host, Jade Harvey Barrel, tell you the rest? Take it away, Jade. Thanks, Ian. Hello, all. Indeed, we'd love for you to join us for Earthy Chats, our new podcast where we've come together to spend time picking the brains of the brightest and best in environmental education. Like busy bees, we'll be cross-pollinating ideas across our range of interests and knowledge bases to give you the inside scoop on what's new, who's doing it, and how you can do it too. All of the experts featured on the show have resources available Canada-wide in the Outdoor Learning Store. That's Canada's non-profit outdoor resource store. You can check out the range of educator and student resources available at www.outdoorlearningstore.ca. So whether you're a teacher, educator, parent or just a general nature geek, there'll be something for you to sink your teeth into. Did I cover everything there, Ian? Definitely. Thanks, Jade. So yeah, Earthy Chats. Check it out on your favorite podcast app. As the various stakeholders arrive and tend to their duties, little pockets of conversation emerge among the growing crowd. 
Smiles are a plenty. The educational programs, and I know you do a lot at Shelburne Farms, and it would be unfair of me to ask you to list all of them, but what are some of the more high-impact programs that our educator listeners just need to know about? So we decided that focusing on our professional learning programs, though, as you said, there are so many great opportunities here at Shelburne Farms for different learners to engage in the food system. But the professional learning programs really are one of those things that I think can scale goodness or awesomeness. And we have really invested in professional learning for educators, school administrators, professional learning for school nutrition staff and farm to school coordinators through a program called the Northeast Farm to School Institute. For more than a decade, we've been helping schools and early childhood teams engage in action planning that really helps them develop a values system and actions with goals that really move them across developing an integrated farm to school plan, integrated across the three C's, the classroom, the cafeteria, and the community, and also really focuses on staying power and integration so that it isn't just a one-year we're doing farm to school, but how does this become part of who we are and what we do? And so that program is high impact. We hear about the different elements of the program that really do have what we call staying power, which is we assign each team a coach that works with them throughout the year. They work on an action plan with this multi-stakeholder team. So it's a whole school change project with the whole school involved, the school or the early childhood center. And what we really see, and I mentioned this with the who we are and what we do, we see an impact on school culture. We see over the year of the support, people defining themselves by farm to school. And then they'll have their own values that they attribute to that. It might be about local or healthy or just food system. But that change in school culture then has staying power because it's not just based on one champion or one group of people that are currently in the system, like a group of students or families. But it really becomes sort of if that school had a banner, that might be the banner that they fly outside their school. We have been doing this program for years, and thankfully this year, with the support of the USDA, are able to help scale that institute. So when we talk about impact, the USDA's support is allowing us to support several states this year and moving forward several more states to do an adaptation of the institute. So again, like we talked about with Farm to School, needing to be about that local flavor and texture, the modifications that people or the adaptations that people might make in the states from Washington and Oregon and Arkansas this year to who, who knows where next year, they'll have an adaptation that really reflects their place but is based on the professional learning model that has been developed by Shelburne Farms and NOFA Vermont. So we're really excited and think that's a a high impact area because we have the local example and then you have the adaptations across the state. 
So we have a model that we think is pretty valuable and high impact, but we're excited to learn what people are doing in their own states to adapt the program. And we'll be learning together through our evaluation process and ongoing dialogue. So that's definitely one of them. And then something that we're really proud of is our leadership program. So we've been developing a leadership program in education for sustainability. And I think it allows us to focus on leadership for systems change. And with that program as another example of high impact, we're hoping to adapt that program for farm to school and really, again, allow for folks to come together, learn from each other in this peer network, and for us to be part of that peer network. So we're learning alongside folks that are coming to learn with us rather than from us. That's often the most impactful type of learning. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. For those who want to get involved in this sort of work, what advice do you have for overcoming common barriers? So I think one of the things that can be a common barrier is the time that it takes to do this kind of work and the extra effort. And one of the things we heard in interviewing principals about how to make farm to school stick, there were a couple of things. One was prioritization so that the prioritization of farm to school or lifting up farm to school as important really helped actually overcome that barrier. So it's not an add-on, but it's our priority. And we're going to see the work through this lens. Communication, internal and external, is really important to overcoming barriers. So communication across the school or early childhood staff internally, and that would be everybody from the school nutrition, classroom teachers, administrators, support staff, janitorial staff, right? We're all part of that system. So we all need to engage internally about the communication. And we also heard about the external communication, communication to families and the nearby community about what you're doing and why you're focusing on farm to school. Because If you walk by a school and you see a bunch of kids outside, they might be learning, but it also might look like recess. So (laughs) we want to communicate about what we're doing and in particular, the benefits to students. That's what we want to communicate. And with the prioritization and communication, that really relies on relationships. And so overcoming barriers, this is a funny thing to suggest, but I think you should have a party. And everybody's invited and you're all eating together. So developing and deepening relationships across the school community is also what we heard as being really important. So when things get hard, like a global pandemic or a budget cut, you have those relationships to go back to. And if you've been communicating and focusing on values, you can return to those. You can return to values and you can return to relationships because we don't know what next difficult thing might be facing uh, the learning system. We know that if we focus on those relationships and those values, that we can return to some sense of stability together. And who doesn't want to have a party? Exactly. (laughs) Anything you want to add to that, Betsy? Yeah. I mean, I think that focus on values is really important too when we think about the supply chain. Like where is the food for school meals coming from? 
and how does it get to the loading dock at a school? And thinking about how can we begin with the values we want to see in that purchasing program, whatever those might be. So I don't feel like I need to prescribe what those values should be, but I would say take a moment, really think about the values you want to see in your school food program, and then develop a purchasing plan based on those values. You know, sometimes there's a fear that it'll cost way too much to be able to do that. And I think that fear is real. So there is a concern about that, but I think that there are other ways that people have been buying food in season and developing, as you said, Jen, the relationships with local producers to make that work in the in the best way they can. And then for, I think for all of us to invest in those values, if we want kids to be ready to learn and be their best, we should be investing in the school meals program so that that can happen and making sure that school nutrition programs have what they need to be able to support the local economy and to really nourish our kids. Mm-hmm. Well, before we sign off, are there any final thoughts you'd like to share? We'll start with Betsy. I would just say to the listeners that you know, Farm to School and Farm to Early Childhood is really a growing movement right now. Every state in the U.S. and then so many countries, Canada, we've gotten calls from Africa, Europe, Indonesia. There's a lot of people who are concerned and interested in reconnecting to the food system and shifting that system to be more equitable and to really, you know, supporting kids the best that we can. And so get involved, see, ask around, see who in your region is working on farm to school that you can join efforts with. And I think collectively, we're hoping to make permanent long-term change. And Jen? I'm going to go back to that idea, Ian, of having a party. All right. And I think have a party where you build some relationships. It could be at your local school or early childhood center. It could be a neighborhood party. But build those relationships with your neighbors, with students, with farmers, other producers. And then get into conversation about that vision of what we want our food system to look like. There's no better way to change what we're doing than to actually take some time to think about what it could be like. And maybe there's a new book out or a book that's forthcoming. And the title is, What If We Get This Right? And it's by Ayana Elizabeth Johnson. And I love that idea of what if we get this right? And I think that's a great question to be asking about the food system. It certainly is. And we probably, and we as just a collective, everybody probably don't spend enough time talking about a future where we do get things like a food production system right. And I say, bring it on. (laughs) Yeah, I can't wait for that book to come out. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Betsy and Jen. This is a conversation that we could go so much deeper into, but I think we covered a lot here in our short time together. And I am just so pleased that you came to share your insights and your stories with us. Well, thanks so much for having us. Thanks, Ian. Everyone seems to be carrying a palpable sense of pride with them, which is no surprise considering how involved each individual has been in the farm to school process. The school principal approaches the podium and, with a firm commitment to brevity, simply announces, let the festivities begin! 
Talking with Green Teachers is co-hosted by Ian Shanahan and me, Sofia Vargas Nesi. Ian is the show's writer and editor. Logo design is by Devin Terrien. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or iTunes to get instant access to each new episode. If you really like the show, give us a rating too. We can also be found wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining us in this episode. We'll chat again soon. I hope the salamander metaphor wasn't too cheesy. A, a lot of metaphors can be pretty cheesy, especially oh, if they come from great. me. I love it. Yeah. And I like salamanders. We get to, we do like salamanders here at Shelburne Farm. So yeah, absolutely. No, that was awesome. Excellent.